what's up with the Bible and why is it controversial? And we'll dig into this a little bit more later, but I think it's, a lot of people will say it's true. And so then the next question is, well, true about what? Right. And then how do you know it's true? And so I think what we hope to do is first and foremost, let's just start with what the Bible says about itself. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. It is a journey of faith that you have to do the work on yourself. It is not something you can order out for, have delivered, picked up, Ubered around. Ultimately, it is work that you have to put in, but we can come alongside you to help encourage you, challenge you, entertain you a little bit, and ultimately teach you how to critically think for yourself so you know what you believe and why you believe it. My name is Jesse Mayer. I will be your host, but we cannot do the Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, mm-hmm. Dr. Douglas Peak. Greetings, everyone. So good to be with you today. There is no faith chip. No faith chip. No faith chip. I was reading about these things that they're they're hoping very soon that they can actually like put a chip in you. Then you're suddenly you can speak another language. That would be pretty cool, actually. But (laughs) that feels like a loss of uh, that's kind of weird. Yeah, I have no idea how that would work. Yeah, it's so it's crazy, but it's good to be here. We're starting a brand new series. Some of things that I love to talk about all the time. I talk about it all the time, and that's the Bible. Oh, I thought we were going to talk about college football. So no. Well, we are in our new series, simply yes. titled The Bible. We didn't yeah. want to give it any schnazzy name. We no schnazzy just, name. The Bible doesn't Where need does to schnazzy be... even come from? I don't know. What's the sure. derivation on schnazzy? You're the, you're the doctor. Schnazzy. You, you can break that down. I wonder if that is a Jewish idiom, like Yiddish. It could be. Or it could just be some young person who came up with it. Who knows? Oh, that would be bestowing upon young people an inordinate amount of influence. We come up with a lot of cool words that get brought into the vernacular. Okay, so that I is can't. true. So uh, anyways, back on track. Back we are, on track. We are on our new series titled The Bible. The Bible. Our goal is to answer. I came up with a few questions of what I would like to hear from you on your thoughts. Okay. And here are the, the questions I had. Why yes. is the Bible such a controversial book, Pastor? Okay. <laughs> How accurate is the Bible? Yes. How trustworthy is the Bible? Mm-hmm. If it's been 2,000 years and translated, translated a thousand times in a thousand different ways, how do we know what we have today reflects what was written 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. How specific is the Bible? Okay. Does it tell us what to eat, what music we should listen to, where we should live, how to conduct economics? <laughs> All the stuff. How can I understand something that was written in yeah. another language to people who lived 2,000 years ago, Pastor? <laughs> yes. And most importantly, <laughs> yes. and this is a challenge we, we put forward a lot, and I think this is a good time to address it, which is can I build my life on this book yeah. mm-hmm. that has all of these other questions. So hopefully we will answer all of those questions and more as we go mm-hmm. through this series. Yeah, those are really great questions. And I hope that, you know, these are questions, you know, that everybody's asking and people are really trying to think about and debate. Especially and in a time where words and feelings and thoughts are all very relative in their truthfulness. Yeah, everybody says, well, this is true. And then you're like, well, how do you know it's true? Right. And so then it and oftentimes, question yeah. so many other things in most people's minds. If they're, if they're operating in that thought process, then mm-hmm. they will very easily take to the Bible and say, well, how do I know this is true? Which do these is, words mean the same thing? In my opinion, probably one of the best questions you can ask, because that's a critical thinking skill. And that is, is that 
And I don't want to be gullible. Gullible is naive, and those are not good character qualities. What we want to do is we want to be able to say, I'm critically thinking, and there is, is there a way to know if something's true or not? Mm. And then is there a, a way to reason through these tools so that I come to this conclusion where you can bet your life on it? Because that's what you're doing. That's what we're doing. You know, and a lot of people said, well, what, what's up with the Bible? And why is it controversial? And we'll dig into this a little bit more later. But I think it's a lot of people will say it's true. And so then the next question is, well, true about what? Right. And then how do you know it's true? And so I think what we hope to do is... First and foremost, let's just start with what the Bible says about itself, okay? okay. Uh, what does the Bible actually say? And I want to start with the New Testament because there's two sections in the Bible, an Old Testament and a New Testament. They are apart, they're linked, but they are not the same. Okay. This is very important to understand. And so we have to understand their relationship with one another. And so let's start with the New Testament, because this is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And Paul tells Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, he says, All scripture is inspired by God. Another way to translate it would be God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be equipped for every good work or every good deed. In Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 and 13, it says, The word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates to the dividing of soul and spirit, both joint and marrow, and it judges the thoughts and intentions or attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight, but everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him, meaning God, to whom we must give an account. So, Scripture is God-breathed and profitable. It is alive, it's active, and it's sharp, okay? Then in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, it says, Everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, so that through the endurance taught in the Scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. So all of this was written and given as a gift to give us hope when we endure. Okay, it encourages us. First Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13. And we also thank God continually because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as human word, but as it actually is the word and words of God which is indeed at work in you who believe. So he's saying that we came and we spoke the word of God to you in the New Testament, recorded these words that were spoken as the very words of God. Is, can I ask you a question? Yes. Are these first four passages you've, you've read for us uh, like seminary 101 verses that you're kind of like <laughs> mandated to know. This feels like pretty base level things that you, if you're going to go into studying about the Bible, you should know these, these verses, right? Yes, like, you is should. This, yeah. Is this not? Well, I mean, you're making way too many assumptions about seminary. <laughs> we, we called it cemetery. Cemetery. You no, know, you don't learn this in seminary. I learned this in discipleship, one-on-one. -on -one. These guys made me so memorize this, these verses. So this yeah. isn't a thing that you 
When I was in high school, I had to memorize 2 Timothy. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable. I had to memorize Hebrews 4.12. The word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing as far as division of soul and spirit. Well, that's part of the reason I was asking you is because it's sometimes uh, I've noticed on verses that you're super familiar with. Yeah you will bounce back and forth between translations. Yeah. Like you'll kind of, you'll jump between the one you have memorized and the yeah. one that you're maybe meaning to preach with. And so it's, that was yeah, why I Yeah, because I memorized was, everything in the New American Standard, which is kind of choppy. Yes. And then the NIV came out and everybody reads the NIV today. And so I have everybody else memorize verses in the NIV. <laughs> and so when I'm listening, switch your brain. So over. I have to switch back and forth. Yeah, okay. that causes it. But I think a it's issue. really good insight that these are yeah. not verses that you necessarily have to go to seminary to find no. valuable. These are verses, just as we're talking about in this podcast, that you should be looking at as is the Bible what it says it is. It, yeah, exactly. Right. Is okay. it, what is it claiming to be? Now, the next step is, can I believe the claim? Right. Right. Because anybody can write a book saying this book is 100% yeah. accurate and you should believe everybody does that all the time. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's not a diet book out there where they don't say that, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but, but the thing is, is that, okay, first of all, what does the Bible claim about itself? How does it view itself? And basically what you're really asking is it was written by these authors and what did these authors view what was written as and that's very very important because you bring up an excellent point that and that is well who actually wrote the bible mm. and a lot of people don't realize that it's over 40 different authors right and what the bible the really more... is is a library of books right in each of these names and so then you have two sections you have the old testament and that covered over 1500 years because the first books of the Bible were written by Moses in 1,400 and something BC before mm -hmm. Christ was born over a thousand years before Jesus was even born. Moses writes down. What does Moses do is he writes from the creation, right? So it's called the Pentateuch, the first five Jewish books of the Torah. It's called the Pentateuch. And that is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the Torah would be what we consider the Old Testament. Old correct? Testament, yeah. Okay. So, um, but what happens is now we have the New Testament. Now the New Testament was written by, it's 27 books. There's 39 in the Old Testament, 39 different books. There's 27 in the New Testament, some of them very short. And what's really interesting is that was only written over a period. Uh, it was all written after Christ was crucified to about book of revelation was written in like 90 91 so ad so over a 60, 60 year years. period um so not very long if you think about it it was all written in one generation and so it, that's why i'm reading these new testament references because this is a, it, what did these guys think about what was written during that period of time right you know, in Ephesians chapter six, Paul says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And Jesus even said this, let's listen to what he said. John chapter five, verse 39. He says, you study the scriptures. Now he's referencing the old Testament scriptures. He says, you study the scriptures diligently because you think that in them, you have eternal life. He goes, these are the very scriptures that testify about me. So now we see, oh, this is why the Old Testament is a part of a Christian's Bible. 
Now, if you're Jewish and you're an Orthodox Jew, you have the Old Testament that's part of your 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 inspired writings, right? Mm -hmm. The Torah. That's what you read. You don't you reject the New Testament. And what Jesus says here is, why should we include the 39 books of the Old Testament with the New Testament? Well, Jesus says right here, because they do what? They testify. These are the very scriptures that testify about me. So that's why we read the Old Testament. We don't read the Old Testament to figure out what we should eat as Christians. What we do is we read the Old Testament to see how everything was pointing to Jesus. It's basically the... Uh... It's the exposition leading up to the, the, the main part of the quote unquote book, right? Like yeah. you have to set up. It's all what, the teaser trailers. Yeah. Or it, <laughs> yeah and it, it's the, it gives you backstory on yes. why the new Testament matters. So if you take yes. the whole old Testament, I was just like, okay, some guys showed up and then they crucified them. Cool. Yeah. I guess <laughs> cool, like yeah. you don't yeah. get the, you have to see the divine inspiration and all of the signs that pointed to it and what God had promised. Yes. In that act before the act mm -hmm. matters, right? And all the guys that wrote the words of Christ in the New Testament were all Jewish. So they were, they were steeped in this stuff. See, a lot of people don't realize that if you were Jewish, when you're five years old, you can quote verbatim the book of Deuteronomy. Which is not a great book as far as uh, interest but it's the book, and it's excitement. The, I know it's, all, it's about the initial <laughs> laws. Right. All of the laws are in there. Five years old and you can quote it. So it's, it wasn't like a, a, a standard education that we think of today where kids learn all these different things. There's all these different books. There wasn't. I mean, you had this and this the was focus it. focus was on So this. you learned how to read from the Torah. You learned how to recite the Torah. You learned, you prayed in the Torah. Everything was about the Torah. And what has happened is what's really fascinating is if you go to an Islamic country, they have a thing called a madrasa. And that's all they do is they teach you how to read and chant the Quran. That's it. It's basically like, preschool for the Quran. Yeah, that's it all they do. But there's that. no other schools. Okay. You, you see in a lot of these Islamic countries, there aren't, there isn't a public education system. So, and, that, and that's one of the reasons why I think salty pastors are so important is so many people in America have become taken so much for granted. They have no idea why we even do what we do. Why do I have to go to kindergarten? You know, most people don't even know where that came from. Um, why should I read or write? You know, um, it's just so interesting how so many mm. Americans don't even know how many states are in the United States. There's some great uh, late night hosts that have used that fact for, <laughs> for lots <much> of jokes. <laughs> yes, but it's just crazy. You know, people asking people questions, you know, name one president. They can't do that. It, it's so what is people taking it, it for granted so much? And that's because they've lived in affluence and peace mm. and they've never had to struggle. And that, and, no affluence and peace propagates ignorance and you see that it's a bad side effect it's a bad side effect so you have to be diligent and so but the jesus talked about that the old testament let's get back onto what the bible says jesus said the old testament testifies to me and then in john 17 no well let me do john 10 first it says, Jesus answered them. It's really interesting how Jesus makes this argument. He goes in verse 34 of ch chapter 10, he goes, is it not written in your law? I have said you are gods. So he's quoting from the old Testament, right? It says, 
if he, the writer of that Old Testament book, called these people gods, well, who's he calling gods with a little g? He's calling prophets who spoke the words of God. He says, if he called them gods to whom the word of God came and scripture cannot be set aside, what about the one whom the father set apart as his very own and sent into the world? Isn't that interesting? So Jesus is saying, I am the word of God. Mm. which is really interesting. In John 17, Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth for your word is truth. And so see what happens is, um, we start to see that, wow, these guys really saw scripture in a totally different light than we do. Right. Uh, in first Peter chapter one, verse 24, it says, he quotes from the old Testament. He says, for all people are like glass, excuse me, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fail, verse 25, but the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So notice what he's doing is he's saying the word of God, even the Old Testament word of God that we know is that does not, it endures forever. And what we preach to you about Christ is the word of God. So they, they equate it all as one right. and we'll get into this later but people who say that the bible was created at the council of nicaea in 324 a.d is the biggest bunch of hooey you could ever hear in your life i mean it is malarkey so deep that you can't walk through it without having <laughs> to take a shower i mean it is the amount of manure that a 15 thousand uh livestock dairy farm produces in 24 hours am i giving you the right kind I of think, picture i think i i see what you're talking about yeah. and i'm starting to smell it so I don't... <laughs> okay so please move on pastor <laughs> but you know it says this it says in proverbs chapter well let me read um I want to keep reading uh, the New Testament. Second Peter chapter one says, above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. So he's saying a lot of times prophets, they wrote down stuff and they didn't, they didn't, they couldn't interpret what they're seeing. He says the prophecy never had at as its origin, the human will. But prophets, though humans, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So let me give you my take on that, and you let me know if I'm right. This scripture is basically saying man did write it, but yes. it was all God-influenced. It was not some guy going and, you know, writing a story, and he's like, this is going to be a great story. We should, and I'll just give it a little God flavor, and it'll be fine. Correct. Right. They're saying, no, these prophets who wrote these books, is, I'm assuming it's talking about the Old Testament specific for the most part, but it, it would also include all these newer yes. entries, were not just guys writing a story, but instead it was God-inspired and influenced. And at the time, they didn't even know what it meant. They were yes. just writing these words that they were given, basically. Right? The Holy Spirit was guiding them. And I, I think this is another thing that is just so... You know, I'm feeling really salty today. It's just so <laughs> much exceptional ignorance in our society that just annoys me. And that is this, is that, oh, well, what these guys did is they got together and they decided they were going to write this stuff down and then they were going to, you know, try to start their own thing. And I'm going, what are you nuts? You obviously are so ignorant of history. You've never read a history book. 
Writing things down on paper was probably the most expensive endeavor that you could do. Mm. These were average people. These were not kings. They were prophets. Most of, when you read about their lives, they lived out in caves. They lived out, they didn't have any money. They weren't agricultural super powerhouses producing food. They weren't, um, they weren't profiteers or marketers, you know. They weren't from um, uh, royalty. They had no means. And God says, I want you to go write that down. That would be like me coming to you and saying, Jesse, I want you to build a 32-story building in downtown Boise next year get started okay <laughs> i don't have the money for that <laughs> exactly that's exactly right i don't have the money i don't have the resources to do that where am i going to get a piece of parchment the only people that could make parchment were kings and rulers and their scribes it was a highly protected process and it took it was extremely expensive and he you know he says okay isaiah i know you have no means but what i want you to do is i want you to go down and write what i tell you you want me to what <laughs> are you kidding me god this is this is mount everest type of stuff to get through and because people are so ignorant of history in our secular society that criticize the bible they have no idea how what an insurmountable task it would be for someone to actually write something down and save it i mean it was not a common theme at all. As a matter of fact, the only record of stuff that we have that early on is uh, a group of uh, scribes called the Essenes, right? And they lived on a major trade route. And so what they did is they started a library. They, they did, they started writing stuff down. And the majority of what they wrote down was, you know, such and such a trader came through and we traded, you know, you know, 15 ephods of barley for, logs for of, this of and, and that. Yeah. It's mostly just, you know, uh, you know, uh, transactions, mm -hmm. tons and tons and tons of it. But then someone would come through and say, Hey, I have something that is more valuable than ephods of grain or even silver and gold. And they'd say, well, what's that? They'd say, well, I have a book. And so what they would do is they would say, okay, I want to copy the book. Can we copy it? Mm -hmm. Right. And so they would give permission, but copying the book, they would then trade that. I'll let you copy it. I'm not going to give you my copy. I'll let you tr just copy it. And then they would trade that for goods. That's how valuable books were wow. just the words in them. And so they would write this stuff down. And then in about 150 years before Christ, it kind of died out because the trade routes changed. And over the years, what they had been doing is they'd been taking these things as mostly scrolls. And by now they had figured out a little bit different way to make paper and they would roll these things up and they put them in clay jars and then they sealed them with wax. They put a wooden uh, plug on it Basically and then they sealed it with wax and they put it up in caves, right? And then in 1947, 1948, uh, a little shepherd boy was walking along the canyons of the Dead Sea and he would take rocks and he would throw them up into these kind of like cutouts to scare the birds out because he's bored you know, you know you throw walks at birds when you're a kid right and he throws something up there and he hears a crash so he goes and he gets his dad his dad climbs up there and they see under about three feet of bat dung um all of these j jars jars one of and one of them had broken they start digging out and so the uh, 
antiquities of Israel come in, they dig them out, and these are what are commonly today known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Okay. And that's where, and the majority of it is just transaction stuff. Right. You know, but they have a perfect copy of the book of Isaiah. Mm. Word for word. And you know what's most amazing about it is Isaiah is the book that has the most prophecies about the birth of Jesus Christ. They found this copy, even though the book of Isaiah was written in about five, 600 AD, but 500 years before Jesus was born, this copy was copied in 150 BC, 150 years before Christ was born. Mm. You know what they found is they found that this copy of the, the Qumran community of Essenes, their copy of the book of Isaiah is exactly like our copy today. Mm. And there's, there was a couple spots that they noted that were an issue of translation and all of those were ones we already knew about. Interesting. That is really interesting. So we have hard, hard science that shows. So then you look at the prophecies in Isaiah and then you look at what Jesus did and it's like, oh my goodness, you know, mathematicians have put together the probability of one person fulfilling the prophecies just in the book of Isaiah is you have the better chances of the universe coming into existence. Mm. I mean, the, it's got, you know, how they always say this times 10 to the power and they write a number because there's so many zeros. Numbers, yeah, that's what it is. It's massive, you know, and the, the, this, the word of God is super powerful, you know, and, and you're right. That's what they did is it says that they were led by God. They were led by God to write these things down. And we have a record of it in second Peter Chapter three, it says, bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation. Just as our dear brother, Paul, listen to how he talks about Paul, our dear brother, Paul. Okay. Also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. So Peter who knew Paul, who wrote a lot of these books in the new Testament said that Paul was inspired by God to write them. He writes the same way in all of his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort <laughs> as they do the other scriptures to their own destruction. Peter's getting a little salty. Though. He's getting salty, yeah. But notice what he says. Is he says, look, what, what Paul wrote is, is scripture like the other scriptures. Right. You see, so the Bible says all this stuff. Then we can go in the Old Testament. We don't really have a lot of time for that. But man, the Old Testament, it goes on and on. One of my favorites that I memorized, it says, be, Joshua 1, verse 7, says, Be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all of the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. You may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do every Everything that is written in it, then you will be prosperous, then you will be successful. So we see all of these different examples through the New Testament, and then yes. there was even a bunch in the Old Testament that we didn't even get to that you wanted to mention mm -hmm. about the Bible basically declaring what it says about itself yeah. and the people who wrote it. It's which, the word of God. Right. With this, and we may have to move this partially to Thursday too, is with all of this evidence of what it's saying, why is this so controversial still? Why is yeah. this book so controversial? Well, it, what a lot of times people say, why is it so, is people will say, it's because it's true. And what, well, what do they mean by that? 
And that's where you have to They'll really, say it's controversial because it's true. Yeah, it's controversial because it's true. Well, what do you mean it's true? Well, it has two basic truths in it that um, are extremely controversial and people struggle with over and over and over again. And that is this. It tells you who God is. Okay. This is God. Not right? your version. Not, yeah. Not, this isn't Burger King. You don't get to have it your way. <laughs> it's not your way. This is God. This is who he is. This is his character. This is his plan. This is what he's doing throughout thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of years of, of history. This is God. And the most controversial thing about it, and this is you. And people really don't like when you tell them who they are. No, they don't. And the Bible says it over and over again. This is who human beings are. This is who you are. And today that is where all the controversy resides because the Bible says specifically that human beings are created in the image of God. So we're valued by God, but we're also tainted by sin. Mm. The, the, the evil that exists in the world comes from the human heart. The problem with the world comes from the human heart. The reason why there's natural disasters and the reason why there's cancer and mosquitoes and flies because of human beings. We brought the evil into the world. Do you see what I did there? I said yes. that flies and mosquitoes are evil I and agree. cancer. I agree. <laughs> yeah. So you see, we brought disease into this world. We corrupted the creation because of our own free will. We created evil and people are like, well, human beings can't create anything. I go, well, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. Yes, we can. We have a lot more power. Where do you think all ingenuity, innovation, creativity, art, all of these things are what? Are creative acts. And right. We create that. But the most important thing is this, is that what is it that human beings create that is that we are co-creators with God in human life, mm -hmm. in a human soul, you know? And that's, that's, that is so, you know, a definition of humanity that people don't want to accept that there we are created in God's image and we have innate value, but we are corrupted by sin and it has to be remediated. It has to be addressed. It has to be taken care of. And that's why it's so controversial is because like in today's world, what I, I don't think a lot of people understand is that Rousseau defined humanity is that there's nothing wrong with you. Religion is the problem. Society is the problem. And a lot of people live that way today. You know, a lot of people are saying that, you know, well, there's nothing wrong with you. And they always use it in terms of like, well, it, you know, people are uh, born transgendered. They're born gay. They're born non-monogamous or polyamorous. They're born this way. They're born that way. And they're making all these identity statements, mm -hmm. right? And what happens is these things are not what you would call a biblical definition of what it means to be a human being, you know, that in the eyes of God, there's distinct maleness, there's distinct femaleness and that's it. And, you know, even though over the last seven, 8,000 years of recorded human history, you see how men and women have struggled to get along with each other, yes. but it's the one thing we all long for and desire in many different ways, right? Is, this is to have a family and to love and be loved and to create well, you know, create not just uh, artistic things, but create a better world and create, create a something between me and another person that right. transcends time, mm -hmm. a legacy. 
Where does all that come from? You see, it comes from that being created in the image of God. And that's why the Bible's so controversial is because it says this is who you are. And guess what? Most people who are interested in political power, uh, economic power, influential power, they want to do whatever they want morally. They want to make up their own morality. Those people hate it with a passion. Well, Pastor, I am excited to see where we go with this series and to hear some answers to those questions we talked about at the beginning of the pod. But um, thank you so much for sharing these verses. If you guys um, are interested, you can always go back and, and look those verses up yourself, mark them in your Bible, make sure you understand what they're saying so that it gives you a good solid base as we move forward about the Bible and what it says about itself and why we should be building our life on it. So thank you guys so much for joining us and we'll see you on Thursday here on the Salty Pastor Podcast. Blessings.